The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I'd like to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. I want to speak to you for a few minutes of time about things that abide. The word abide means to dwell or remain. It can be a temporary dwelling or a permanent dwelling. It can, be, it can mean to remain temporarily or it can also mean to remain forever. For example, if we go back to the uh, Psalms, the Psalmist David tells us in the 119th Psalm, that the earth remaineth or abideth, I should say, as the psalmist says in verse 90, he says, thy faithfulness is unto all generations, thou hast established the earth and it abideth. Uh, it's a wonderful blessing to know that unlike those who believe that everything is an accident of evolutionary change, that the fact is this earth was created by Almighty God and is maintained by Almighty God. And therefore, many people who spend countless hours terrified of the future for the earth, uh, we have been delivered from that by knowing the truth uh, as declared by the psalmist here. As a matter of fact, uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes in verse 4, one generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Um, uh, I have great affection for the millennial generation. I have one myself. Um, but I know that they are preoccupied with the thought that the earth is disintegrating around them because of the sins of their parents and um, uh, their grandparents. Um, this is a false teaching that is being promulgated through the public school system today. Um, but I'm here as a minister of the gospel to tell you this morning uh, that just because you're born a millennial doesn't mean you have to act like one. And you need to know that the truth is that your generation is going to pass away. Right. Believe it or not, one day, y'all are going to get old too. Right. Your parent and your children are going to blame you for all their problems <laughs> too. But you're going to pass away. But guess what? The earth abideth Amen. forever. Amen. The reason for that is simple. God is in control. That's right. And he, his son is before all things. And by him, all things consist. I had a, a Brother Dave Bergman, a scientist, uh, in, a member of the church in Atlanta where I used to pastor, told me that that word consists literally means that the Lord is holding every atom in the universe together. Isn't that glorious to think about? That doesn't mean we should be irresponsible. Doesn't mean that I drain my, the oil out of my engine onto the ground. It doesn't mean that I'm cavalier about throwing trash out on the side of the highway, but it does mean that I have the abiding knowledge 
that this earth is going to remain and as long as the Lord wants to use it. And I don't, there's nothing that any man, woman or child, can do to destroy the creation of God. The generations pass, but the earth abideth forever. For how long is ever? Forever how long the Lord wants it to abide. There is coming a day when the earth and the works therein shall be burned up. But it won't be because you sprayed your hair with a can of hairspray. It'll be because the Lord is going to destroy it when he's through. Amen. <clears throat> to abide means can also mean to be a temporary dwelling, such as we read about in Luke chapter 2, where that the scriptures tell us, and I've become more and more disciplined in my later years to try to actually turn to the verse and read it rather than try to quote it because I have listened enough to myself misquote uh, over the years that I'm ashamed. And so I, I tried to struggle to get to every verse if I can. But for the sake of time, we'll read verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. This verse is talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in the city of Bethlehem of Judea. And on the night that Jesus was born... The Bible tells us that there was also abiding in the, in the country. It says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their flocks, watching over their flocks, keeping their flocks, the scripture says here, watch, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now the reason why, one of the, one of the main reasons we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was not born in the dead of winter yeah. is because shepherds do not lay out in the field watching their flocks by night. They have them safely within the sheepfold in the wintertime. But here is the time whenever grass is green and the sheep are grazing and rather than take them back to the sheepfold, they are watching over them by night. They're they're abiding in the fields. But of course they weren't living there permanently. They were moving these flocks from place to place. Grazing as they go along. Eventually they would return back to the sheepfold. But in this instance they have a temporary abiding in the field. So that they can watch over their flocks by night. You remember the apostle Paul said. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Which is far better. But to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Right. Every parent understands what Paul said there. Yeah. Every pastor that ever loved and cared for a church understands what Paul said there. I have a desire. The greatest thing that could happen to any one of us this morning is what? To go home to be with the Lord. He said, I have a desire to depart. I like what Elder Sonny Powell said about that verse. He said, when you go to the airport and you see arrivals and departures... When you see people going down the departure concourse, you don't say, well, they'll never see them again. They're just going to disappear out there. They're departing. and it's, it, it, No, you know they're going to a destination. And I tell you, child of God, whenever we depart, we're not going to just disappear into oblivion. We are going to a destination, a place we've been predestinated to by an almighty sovereign God. We have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son and that will be completed when we get to heaven in immortal glory. So 
but Paul said to abide in the flesh, even though I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, he said to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I have responsibilities here, Paul said. I have a responsibility to the church. I have a responsibility to the people of God. And every pastor understands that. Every father, every mother that ever cared for a child understands that though we may have a desire in our spirit to depart this life, to get away from the troubles of this world and to be with Christ, which would be far better, yet it is more needful. It is, it is more needful for me to abide in the flesh. But I'm happy to tell you that's a temporary abiding. It's not going to last forever. Thank God for that. I mean, we can barely stand to be in these old bodies for 80, 90, or 100 years, much less uh, forever. Uh, but aren't you thankful that on the glorious word of the resurrection, these old frail bodies will be raised in the power of Almighty God, and then we can live in them forever and be happy about the whole matter. We will one day abide in these bodies forever and ever, but it won't be until after they've been glorified in the resurrection. But you understand the point is simply that things can abide either temporarily or permanently. Having that in mind, let's look at some things that are permanent in their uh, abiding, uh, that abide permanently and then circle back if the Lord be our helper before time gets away to our text this morning. The apostle would tell us in Hebrews chapter 7 about the eternal priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a glorious chapter, and I, I heartily recommend that after service is over this afternoon, you go home and read it. I'm going to quit early so you can get started early. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, uh, here we go in verse 1. For this Melchizedek being uh, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, First being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. That's what the word Salem means. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made light unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. The wonderful thing that I can hear to declare unto you this morning by the authority of God's word is that you have a great high priest who can be touched with the feeling of your infirmities and he's always on the job. He abideth a priest continually. He's not there and then off in the afternoon and you can't get in touch with him. He's always there. So that no matter what point of the day or dark of night, whenever you need to go to the Lord in prayer, he's there. He's, ever, he's abiding a priest continually. If you look down to verse 25, the Bible said, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. You ought to memorize this verse and, and print it on your brain. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. Do you believe that Christ is able to save you to the uttermost? Amen. I certainly do. Amen. We understand this morning that Christ is able to save us to the uttermost. Right. He's able. Amen. I'm not able. You're not able. But he is able. He says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. You'll never come to Christ unless you're drawn by the irresistible power of an almighty God. That come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. I'm happy to tell you that he's always on the job. He ever liveth to make intercession for you. That's why you couldn't go to hell even if you tried. I don't know why anybody would want to try, but if you're a child of God, I'm happy to tell you that heaven is your home because he ever liveth. Amen. He's always on the job. He remains, he abideth the priest continually. And that is great comfort. 
The scriptures tell us that whenever he was baptized, the Spirit of God came down from heaven and abode upon him, dwelled upon him. The Bible tells us that God gave him the Spirit without measure. And I, I appreciate what was said earlier about uh, praying for the Holy Spirit. Do you know one of the great, exceeding great and precious promises of the Bible is that the Lord says that if ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good gifts to them? How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Spirit to them that ask him? Do you know as a child of God, all you have to do is ask the Lord to give you the Spirit and he will? Why do you need the Spirit? You need the Spirit to pray. You need the Spirit to sing. You need the Spirit to worship. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It is impossible for us to worship God this morning without the Holy Spirit. I'm happy to declare this morning that I have throughout this meeting felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and experienced it in the singing has been just otherworldly. And the preaching of the gospel, we've all been blessed by Brother Trace's messages and, and the messages that have gone before by Brother Coy and others. And I want to tell you that I, I'll just go ahead and admit it, I've enjoyed trying to preach at this meeting. I, I just want you to know it's been a spirit-filled meeting. Amen. Amen. We need the spirit. Yes. We need the spirit not only to be, we need the spirit to abide with us, don't we? And I'm happy to tell you, that the Lord Jesus Christ promised that that's exactly what the Spirit of God would do. Let's go back to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the book of Matthew. Whenever he says, um, well, before I get to that, let me make mention of this first. That in John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus makes a promise in verse 16. He said, I, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. And that's capital C. Yeah. And that's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Aren't you thankful that when you're born again, the Spirit doesn't just go and come and, right. and, and, and you know, sometime you're born again and sometime you're not. Amen. The Bible said here that this comfort is going to abide with you forever. Right. All right. So he says, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Spirit of God is dwelling with you and he's dwelling in you. And everything you do and everywhere you go, you need to keep that in mind. The Holy Spirit of God is with us. And because that, we have a witness that we belong to him. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. Here the Apostle John tells us, that we can have the assurance that we're a child of God as a result of the testimony and witness of the Holy Spirit in our heart. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And I, I'm just moving along quickly. I mean, uh, there's much more to be said, but we're skipping along top water this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. How do we know that God abides in us? By the Spirit which he hath given us. How do we know that God is abiding in us? By the Holy Spirit. And that's why that we need to sing the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, preach in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Because it's by the Spirit that we honor God, worship God, glorify God, and have the witness that we are one of His. Amen. Jesus Christ is... The word of God, as you, as, as you remember in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. 
All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. You understand that Jesus Christ is that word in that verse. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word was made flesh. That's when he was born in Bethlehem. But he was already with the father before he was born. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, John tells us, all right? Now that you know who that word is, go with me over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. Here the apostle Peter gets carried away about our, the joy of our, of our salvation. And uh, oh, what a glorious truth it is. But in 1 John chapter 3, um, uh, this is 1 John. The apostle Peter wouldn't be talking in 1 John. Uh, I need to slow down, hadn't I? In 1 Peter chapter 1, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the apostle the Peter says, being born again, being born again, not getting born again, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible, by the word of God. Now, I know that a lot of people wish that I was taught about the Bible because that would confirm their false doctrine that you got to hear the gospel in order to go to heaven. But I'm here today to tell you that this is not talking about the Bible. Amen. And I'll, I'll tell you why I know it's not talking about the Bible. Because this is an incorruptible seed. The Bible tells you plainly that there are many which corrupt the word of God. There are many people in this world that corrupt the word of God. All you got to do is go to the local bookstore. And you'll see all kind of corruptions of the word of God. But this is a word, the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ the Lord. You're not born again by the Bible. I love the Bible. My whole life is centered around the Bible. I, there's nothing I'd rather do in my life than to preach from the Bible. The Bible is essential to everything we, we know and understand um, uh, about God. Now we know God through the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get into that. We'll be here all day. But we know God by regeneration, but we know about God. That not only through our experience in nature, but more so through what God's word teaches. You understand the difference, right? I don't know I mean, I'm, I, uh, if y'all don't know I'm an old Baptist by now, you at least know I'm leaning in that direction. <laughs> um, but here's what I want you to see. This is not talking about the precious word of God, the Bible. It's talking about the precious word of God, the Son of God, who liveth and abideth forever. That's who you're born again by. Being born again, not by corruptible seed, but by an incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. You know, there's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible to prove that uh, God, our salvation is not dependent upon our faith. I tell you, faith is important. We hope to get to that in a second. Uh, we hope to get to that in uh, two minutes. <laughs> but I'm here today to tell you that, that, that thank God your salvation is not dependent on your faith. Amen. The, Bible, the Bible, what does the apostle tell us? He tells us that, in, and Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, he says, he says that if we believe not, if we deny him, he'll also deny us. If we believe not, what? Yet he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself god the father will not deny god the son because they're both one of the same you say i don't understand that neither do i but i believe it 
God, that's a mystery that I believe. If, if I can if you understand, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I don't understand how these three are one, but I do, I do believe it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. I believe that. I can't explain it, but I believe it. All right? Now, so... Uh, God is not going to deny his son because that would be God denying himself. Isn't that glorious? And so if Jesus died for you, you may not have the faith you need in him, but I'm here today to tell you he still abides faithful in spite of your faithlessness. I'm not recommending faithlessness. I'm not praising people for being in unbelief. I'm just shouting over the fact that even though God's people may fall into that because people like Hymenaeus and Alexander, you know, people who uh, preach that the resurrection has passed already and overthrow the faith of some, God's children may get their faith overthrown, and that doesn't mean you never were a child of God to begin with. I'm telling you that your, your faith can get overthrown by the deceivers of this world, but praise God, nothing will overthrow the faithfulness of the Son of God because one of his names is what? True and faithful. So let's get back now to, to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And the few waning minutes that I have left before you. The Apostle Paul says, now abideth. Faith, hope, and charity. Two of those will abide temporarily. But one of those is permanent. All right, let's look at it very quickly. Now abideth faith. What is faith? Well, we don't have to wonder. The Apostle tells us in Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know what? I can, I, I can, I can show you evidence all through this, this physical world of the creation. I, could, I mean, we could spend the rest of our lives studying the physical evidence for the creation. It's everywhere. The physical evidence for the flood is everywhere. But, you're, but that knowledge is suppressed. It's hidden from people. You know, the Bible said this, they willingly are ignorant of. That means they, they on purpose don't know it. Because it does not fit the narrative that we're here by accident. You see, when people want to live like animals, they have to first tell you that you are one. You understand? That's the agenda behind it. People hate the doctrine of creation because that means there's somebody to answer to. That means that there's a judge in the universe that they have to, and they don't like that. So I'm here today to tell you, child of God, that the word of God declares the truth that that we're living in a created world by an almighty God. And you are a creature in that creation. Now, I could spend all day showing you where that there are human footprints fossilized in dinosaur footprints. In other words, here's a dinosaur track along and there's a human being hunting that dinosaur. The dinosaur sticks his foot in the mud. The human being comes behind him and sticks his foot inside that dinosaur's footprint and then it gets fossilized. You never heard that, have you? It's right out there in Texas, not far away from here. All right, what what am I trying to point out to you? That human beings and dinosaurs lived at the same time. They didn't live billions of years apart. My goodness, I, we, we cannot stay here. But here's what I want you to understand. 
Here's what I want you to understand is that uh, the point I'm trying to make about this is this. I don't have to have all that. My faith tells me Genesis 1-1 is true. Faith is the substance of things hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Why do I believe in God? Faith tells me that it is the evidence I need to believe in God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he exists. The atheist says he doesn't exist. The and that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The absoluter says he doesn't reward. But what does God's word say? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a, war, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's a reward for seeking the Lord diligently. All right? So what I want you to understand is, is that even if, I, even if I, I could spend all day ridiculing into absurdity the doctrine of evolution, there's not one shred of evidence in the, fo in the fossil record of a transitional form between species. Not one. There's no half eight half man. There's just there's no one quarter eight three quarter man. There's no one eighth man uh, seven eighths monkey. There's not there's no forms transcending transitional form between a monkey. There may have been some monkeys who wanted to identify as a man. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. I just had to. I just had to throw it in there. I know there are some men who are trying to identify as monkeys. I know that. <laughs> but I want you to understand that there's no transition. You cannot go to the fossil record and, and, and find a legitimate fossilized half human, half ape. You know why? Because it's not true. You find humans, you find apes, you find species. Somebody said, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken did. <laughs> For crying out loud. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the point is simply this, is that if I didn't have all that, I still would believe in Genesis 1-1 because faith is the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for. Now we get over to hope. See, all right, so we need faith to believe in something we don't see, right? And what is hope? Hope is the earnest expectation of the creature. It's the expectation. You know, whenever you go into battle against uh, the, uh, Satan, you're supposed to have on the whole armor of God. One of those pieces of armor is the helmet of salvation. It's the expectation of winning. It's the positive outlook on the battle because I've got all my armor on. And because I have my armor on, I'm expecting the Lord to bless me to win this battle. Now, if you don't have all your armor on, you can expect to lose. All right. But what is hope? Hope is an expectation. The earnest expectation, uh, Paul says over here in Romans chapter 8. He, he gets carried away talking about the resurrection. And he said, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. That's the resurrection. See, we've been redeemed, but we've been redeemed not only, by, not only in soul, but also in body. And on one day, the Lord's going to raise that body because he bought it. He paid for it. He's not going to leave it behind. For, he said, for we are saved by hope. We are saved by hope. We're saved by expecting that resurrection. 
You're, when you're standing at the graveside of a loved one, you're saved from despair and agony and bitterness and sorrow because it doesn't mean you're not grieving. It doesn't mean you didn't, you're not going to miss them, but you have the expectation of seeing that loved one again. It saves you from despair. And not only that, but it saves you from being afraid to die because you know that you'll live again. We're saved by hope. We're saved by the expectation that one day we're going to live with God in glory when this life is over. That the minute we close our eyes in death, here we wake up in the presence of God there. And one day the Lord's going to come back and raise up our bodies and fashion them like into the glorious body of the Son of God. And then he's going to carry us home to live with his heavenly Father forever and forever in that spiritual world uh, that has no end. So we hope for it, right? We hope. We're expecting it. We need faith down here. We need hope down here because we can't see and because we don't know the future. But I love whoever thought up the saying, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And so now abideth faith and hope, but it's a temporary abiding, isn't it? Because whenever, because Paul goes on to say, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for? Once you see it, there's no, you don't have to, you don't, you're not hoping for it anymore. It's here. Right. And one day we're not going to need hope anymore because it'll be here. The Lord will come back. It's going to happen. It's a real event. Amen. And when the Lord comes back, he's going to carry us all home to be with him in heaven. There's nobody up in heaven said, I sure hope I go to heaven. <laughs> because they're there. There's nobody up in heaven saying, I hope the Lord's my savior. Right. Because he's right there. But down here, what? I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope the Lord's my Savior. Why? Because I don't know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So what does the Lord give me since I don't have perfect knowledge like him? He gives me hope. But I won't need hope on resurrection morning. And neither will you. Faith is my ability to believe in heaven. But when I get to heaven, I won't need faith to believe in it anymore, right? Faith is my ability to believe in God. But when I get to heaven and I'm there with God... I won't need faith anymore, right? Right? So those are temporary dwelling. But look at the third one. Now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these. The one that's the greatest of those three is charity. Why? Because charity dwelleth permanently. Charity is simply love and specifically love in action. And God is love. See, charity is permanent because God is permanent. Charity is permanent because love is permanent. There's never an occasion where love is inappropriate. There's never an occasion when love is not appropriate. What did, what did the Lord say? The Lord said this. Hear, O Israel. He was asked what are the great... What, are, what, are the, what is the great commandment? He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Is there ever going to be a time whenever that's not going to need to be true? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all the soul, with all the mind, with all thy strength. And the second is likely the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's never an occasion when love isn't Correct the, the correct response. Even when it comes to your enemies. What did Jesus say? Love your enemies. Love them. 
So faith is vital, isn't it? Hope is precious, isn't it? But they're temporary dwellings. There's a permanent one, though, and it's love. In all eternity, when faith gives way to sight, when hope gives way to perfect knowledge. You know, Paul said in that same 13th chapter, then shall we know even as we are known. When hope gives way to perfect knowledge, what will abide continually? The love of God. May the Lord bless you, is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.